The world we live in is an amazing one, full of passion, wonderment, and of course, fine wine. This is the story of one man's journey to fully understand and appreciate that world. Call Shotgun and buckle up. It's time to ride between the wines. It's Burgundian in style. Just a whisper of cherry. Very nice legs. This is so perfectly balanced. Such an old world style. This lace with tobacco? A total fruit bomb. I say, so fancy! <laughs> Greetings and welcome to my new podcast. My name is Mike and I have an amazing job. Now I know there are a lot of cool folks out there doing very cool things, but I am seriously living the dream. Between a little hard work, a solid background in the restaurant industry, and a few very lucky breaks, I have found myself selling wine for a living. While it's not entirely glamorous, I do have the opportunity to constantly learn more about wine, taste so many different wines from so many areas made by so many awesome people, and, on the rare occasion, I get to meet and pick the brains of some of the coolest people in this industry. A few weeks ago, while riding around and getting to know today's guest, I thought to myself, why am I not recording this? So I did. That being said, there are a few things to get out of the way. First, this is no professional sound equipment here. This is literally me recording a conversation on my phone while driving between restaurants. In that same vein, I'm not especially proficient with technology or editing. Therefore, at least for the first few episodes, you may hear me receive texts, hit every bump in the road, and hear my turn signals. As I have been told numerous times, I am a classic overuser of the turn signal, or as I like to call it, a good driver. All right, now that that's out of the way, let's get going. My guest today is Danny Gordon. Danny grew up just outside of Portland, Oregon, and graduated from Oregon State University with a BS in agriculture, which inevitably led him to working with Tamarack Cellars for the last 20 years. But I'm going to let him tell you that story. All right, so this is Danny Gordon. We've just finished our wine dinner. Uh, and we have just pulled over to take a look at a tree that we decided was a hickory. Um, so that being said, here is Danny the winemaker. Say hello. You just talking to it. Hello. Uh, so my uncle was a forestry professor at Oregon State University, and I could not identify that tree because it's a hickory, <laughs> which is only in the south. And uh, so my bad on that. I thought it was an oak. Uh, Tamarack Cellars started in 1998 in a World War II fire station. Um, we are on a B-17 and B-24 bomber base that is no longer active. And so all of the buildings for the base have turned into other businesses. Um, the fire station being Tamarack. I started at the winery in 1999, so one year after the original vintage. Um, in the first vintage in 1998, we made 300 cases of Merlot. When I joined the winery in 99, we bumped up to 2,000 cases. And then in the next couple years, we went to 4,000 and to 5,500. And in those years, it was just the owner and myself doing all of the winemaking, uh, which was a great experience to uh, learn how to make wine because uh, when I joined the winery, I didn't really join it with the intent of making wine for the rest of my life or anything like that. I joined it because in the job I currently held, I was bored in the months of September and October. 
And the reason I was is because I have an ag degree from Oregon State University and I grew shade and flower trees. And so by the end of August, they had stopped growing, but I needed them to go dormant to dig them up in November and October. And so in the months of September and October, I sat around and I watched the leaves fall. And that was the whole reason that I joined Tamarack. And so that was the reason in 99, joined it, did that, went back to my old job. And then in 2000, they asked me to come back and do the harvest, which I just assumed was great. You know, good deal, because coming back for the same thing. And the owner said, I really need you to come back full time. And so freshly married, buying a house, leaving a job with full benefits to go join a winery in its third harvest with 300 cases of Merlot on the market. It was uh, <laughs> quite the big decision. Very ballsy. And uh, my wife looked at me and she said, do you like growing trees more or making wine? And uh, obviously anybody who's ever had wine, easy decision right there. <laughs> And so the rest is history. Still there to this day, and uh, one of the you know obviously best decisions I've made in my life. Can you pause it? Um, maybe. Let's see. Hold on. Let's see. Unpaused. All right. Sorry. This is my first podcast, so we're working on it. Also, I don't think you need to yell into it. I think we're good. Um, but uh, tell me. Uh, let, let's talk about Merlot because uh, I loved it. I think at all the wines we showed today, it was the star, at least in my book, and it's got a bad rap for a while. So for Tamarack Cellars, uh, the first vintage in 1998 was 300 cases of Merlot. That was what Tamarack Cellars' passion in 1998 was Merlot. And we've done it every year since. And in 1998, it was number one selling red wine in America and since then it is not um, and a lot of that is due to sideways and we stuck with it through those rough years with sideways and it has really started to coming back so for any listeners who possibly don't know what sideways is it's a movie with Paul Giamatti that is um, known as the movie that killed the great Merlot made the great Pinot Noir happen uh, right around this time, what early 2000s maybe it came out. So the, the fun little trick with Sideways is at the end of Sideways when he's at McDonald's or wherever it is and he pours his super, super, super special bottle of wine in, in the movie he pours Cheval Blanc. Cheval Blanc is Merlot and some Cab Franc. So we'll, we'll give the Cab Franc credit. In the book, it is Petrus. <laughs> really? Petrus is 100% Merlot. So in the end, he freaking loves Merlot after bashing it for the entire movie. Somehow they forget that, that to mention did, that. That got lost in translation. Yeah, the they, they, they didn't bother to mention the part where he his favorite thing in the world was Merlot after he's been bashing it for... <laughs> 90 minutes of a movie but you know that happens so anyway what happened so what happened with uh, Merlot um, in Washington my my big uh, blanket thing is that Washington does Merlot better than anywhere else and the reason we do that is because Merlot is the first ripening 
red wine grape that we harvest. And so it does a lot of the ripening in summer. And so we're still very warm. And so what you need is you need cool nights in those summers. And Washington being so far north in uh, uh, being so far north, we get a big diurnal shift. So we get a much bigger shift in the temperature from daytime to nighttime. So we can we can drop 40, 45, up to 55 degrees at night. So we can be 105 during the day and we can drop down to 50 degrees at night. And what that does is it allows early ripening reds like Merlot to um, stop the sugar development at night, but flavors still develop. And so you get a nice balance because during the heat of the day, sugars go up, but when you get cool nights like in Washington, the sugar stop and the flavors develop and they maintain a balance. When you never get cool at night, you lose the balance on Merlot and early ripening reds. And that is why uh, Washington Merlot is very special. That's awesome. And then... Uh, can, you, can we talk about Washington Cab Franc at all? Yeah, we can, touch, we can talk about Cab Franc. Talk, talk about Cab Franc. Because I don't see a whole lot of single varietal Cab Franc. And I know that's one that we've tasted a lot today with you. Yeah, I love Cab Franc. So Tamarack Cellars does 100% Cab Franc, and we have done that since the year 2003. So in 2003, um, there was five barrels of Cab Franc at Tamarack Cellars that I really, really loved. And I was told to put them in a blend, but it wasn't the absolute final blend. So I'm, you know, mysteriously forgot to put them in that blend. <laughs> and uh, managed to hide them for like the next six months because a lot of that was during the harvest time so nobody was uh, you know there's a lot of activity so nobody knew what was where and when the final blend time came I I kind of tricked the uh, owner of Tamarack Cellars into uh, really loving Cap Franc just by presenting it to him but blind so he didn't know what it was so it was fully matured and you he was under the impression that it was a Cab Franc based blend and then he tried it. Is that what you're saying? Well, he just, he had no idea what it was. Okay, okay. I presented him three wines, so it was supposed to go in Firehouse Red. So I presented him Firehouse Red, I presented a bench blend uh -huh. of the Firehouse Red with the Cab Franc, and I presented the Cab Franc by itself. And the Firehouse Red really wasn't improved by having the Cab Franc in it. So those two wines were very similar, uh -huh. and the Cab Franc was stunning. And he, he just loved the wine. He's like, what do I have here? And I said, well, you have Cab Franc. 100%. We could bottle that up. 100 <laughs> cases. We can sell a tasting room. It's going to be fantastic. And at that time, we were, we were very small. We, we didn't even, you know, we didn't even have electronics. So we had to handwrite all of our sales and we had five skews so if somebody came in the winery we had to write out five wines this was going to make it six wines it was a big deal that was a lot of writing <laughs> we did not want to do it he did not want to do it but the wine was so beautiful that he uh he convinced himself you know what we got a bottle of cap that was the 03 vintage 
We've done one ever since. All um, single varietal? All single varietal, 100%. And we are on the uh, current release of the 2016. So we are, uh, what, we're 14 years into this of 100% Cap Francs. What, what is, uh, you might have already said it, what is your production right now in the Cap Franc? So with Cap Franc, we produce about 12, 1,200 cases a year. And what did you say you started at? Thirty k. Well, it was five barrels, one hundred twenty cases. So we, but we've been at twelve hundred for probably ten years, and I have uh, personally harvested six or seven different vineyards of Cab Franc with the intention of increasing the production from twelve hundred cases, and we have yet to ever find a Cab Franc that we could put into this blend, or into this 100% Cab Franc, uh-huh. that we could increase the production. All of them have failed, and the big reason for that is because Cab Franc really wants to produce a lot of fruit. And what we do is, instead of letting it do the eight to nine ton to the acre that it wants to produce, we drop that down to about three and a half ton to the acre. So we're taking all the energy, all the power of that vine that's trying to produce nine ton to the acre, and we concentrate it in three and a half ton to the acre. And so by doing that, we get a really, really concentrated berry in that Cab Franc at doing the nine ton to the acre energy in three and a half tons. So we get a really concentrated berry and then we're also able to drop a lot of the uh, green foliage on top uh-huh. because we're not ripening so much. So we get, a rid of, we get rid of a lot of the bell pepper and the green flavors that people associate with Cab Franc. Which is why we don't see a lot of single varietal Cab Franc probably because it's so pyrazine heavy and you guys, after trying it, aren't really crazy with that. Exactly, so the whole goal is that when we bring that grape into the winery, that we bring it in, it doesn't have bell pepper, it doesn't have those flavors, and so we're able to make 100% Cab Franc without having to add anything to the wine. And Cab Franc is really, um, really a delicate sort of wine. I mean, when you talk about Pinot Noir from Oregon, Cab Franc in Oregon is kind of the same, or Cab Franc from Washington, kind of in the same way. It's, it's a bit delicate, and as soon as you start putting other grapes into that wine, you lose the varietal character. And that is why we have always stuck to that 100% varietal, because we want that character in it. And we, in the vineyard, we take care of the problems that other people add wine to to try and cover up in Cab Franc. Well, well, the proof is in the in the vino because everybody has loved that one today, definitely. Um, all right, one more question, maybe one more question. Because, uh, um, I noticed your business card says I've met several winemakers. I think you might be my first maker of wine, uh, Danny Gordon, maker of wine. What is that? Uh, did you just make that up, or? <laughs> yes, I did, but for a purpose. Okay. Um, so in. Uh, I had been making the wine at Tamarack Cellars for probably about eight years, and my business card always said assistant winemaker, which was never a problem to me. The owner of the winery was the owner winemaker, and he knew how to make wine, and when he was out in the market, he wanted that 
title of winemaker because he wanted people ask him how the wine was made because he knew how the wine was made and so it was I had no problem with it and one day eight or nine years after I'd been doing it he showed up with business cards and mine said winemaker and uh, you know he handed it to me and he's like what do you think I'm like uh-huh. great you, you know it never never bothered me that assistant was on there that wasn't an issue and but he was holding in his other hand a whole other set of business cards and it said owner winemaker and I said well what if we're at the same event and you're the owner winemaker and I'm the winemaker how how do people understand this it's very confusing and he said exactly what I said earlier I need this when I'm out in the market because he knew how to make wine I agreed he did and so I said you know what I'll just find something else I'll find another title and so a little bit down the road maker of the wine uh, (laughs) maker of the wine business cards appeared and he he came by one day he's like hey what do you got there I was like oh my business cards he's like I just made you business cards I was like yeah we discussed that those weren't going to (laughs) work he's like you're the maker of the wine I said yeah I mean mean, it's perfect seems like it'll work really well for us and uh so ever since then i've, I've been the maker of the wine even though um you know the owner winemaker is uh uh is no longer there at the moment uh you know happy to be the maker of the wine well that is awesome first maker of the wine that i've met uh well before we pull over here is there uh anything else that you would want me to say about you your life or tamarack cellars uh, that we haven't discussed, maybe. I don't know. Uh, as far as my life, you know, I mean, I told you about the big decision I made with my wife. Super supportive. Absolutely. Do you want to grow trees? Do you want to make wine? I mean, Love I think it. she knew the answer when she asked it. <laughs> and she knew what that meant as far as, you know, leaving benefits and all this stuff with everything going on in her life. And uh, she was she was willing to she was willing to take the adventure as well so you know uh a truly amazing woman and uh we've had a couple kids now and and my life is uh fantastic i uh, love it wonderful um, and uh you you actually you just remind me of one more thing though grower of trees and maker of wine um you told me this earlier but uh tamarack is a type of tree yes it is okay. It is a conifer, so it produces cones. So it is has pine needles and produces cones, but is also deciduous, meaning it drops its leaves in the fall. So those were the trees that I was waiting for <laughs> to drop. Ironically, <laughs> that's, that's great. But tamaracks are one of only four deciduous conifers in the world. So a maple and oak, all of those are not conifers. These are trees with needles. So redwood, a uh, um, uh, well, the tamarack, which oh. is a fir tree. Uh-huh. We have uh, um, cypress, and we have a cedar. Okay. And those are the four deciduous conifers in the world. So they're technically not an evergreen because they do drop needles. Awesome. Well. Um, thank you so much for your time today and for popping in the car with me. And for everybody at home, the wines are Tamarack, T-A-M-A-R-A-C-K. 
and he also has a second label we didn't talk much about but it's called balancing act and it's also delicious and you can probably find these at your restaurants or local fine bottle shops um so signing off for our first podcast thank you let's get back on the road boom And there you have it, my first podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and please join me next week when I'll be chatting it up with Helen the Felon Bueller from Bueller Winery in Napa. And before you go, a few quick notes. This weekend, April 26th through 28th, marks the second annual Columbia Food and Wine Festival. Starting with a kickoff dinner at Saluda's Restaurant Friday night, the weekend is packed with amazing events, culminating in an awesome extravaganza Sunday afternoon in Five Points. Uh, which will feature numerous tables of food and wines, as well as chef demonstrations and a few wine seminars every 15 minutes from 1 to 4 by the fountain, including a few seminars from yours truly at 2.30, 3 o'clock, and 3.30. Visit ColumbiaFoodAndWineFestival.com for full details to all the events and to purchase tickets. And last but not least, a few quick thank yous. Thanks to the Robert Gardner Jazz Quartet, who are used several times during this podcast, including the fade-out music that you'll hopefully hear when I finish talking in a second. The recordings are from the album Soul of Confidence, which features all-stars Robert Gardner, Burt Ligon, Reggie Sullivan, and Ivan Edwards, available at Papa Jazz, Spotify, and probably many other spots that know good music. Uh, And if you want to hear Robert Gardner live, although you can probably catch him all over the state, a good bet would be Thursdays at the Bistro and the Boulevard in the Irma Chapin area. And uh, he's a semi-regular Fridays at the Aristocrat, which is Vista Adjacent at the corner of Washington Street and Park Street in downtown Columbia. Thanks to the voice of the wine guy, Reeves Rutledge, to my fanciest of friends, Clint Riddle, and to RNDC for keeping me gainfully employed, as well as allowing me the constant opportunity to meet and drink with astounding people within this world of wine. Thank you to everyone who helped me with this podcast, including the many of you who helped with the naming of it. Uh, Thanks very much to you for listening, and of course, thank you to my guest Danny Gordon from Tamarack Cellars. Danny, you make great wine and were an awesome guinea pig for me. Oh yes, and please follow me on Facebook at Mike wine hyphen guy and an instagram at mike underscore wine underscore guy chin chin